sometimes growing pains are tough yeah. and painful, but you get more resilient. And so, like, when you try big things, like creating something like Livian, you fail big too. Yeah, but I do think that you just get stronger in ways that you didn't know you would get stronger. Welcome to the Livian Podcast, a show that helps successful real estate teams accelerate their growth and impact. Livian, love how you live in all aspects of life. All right, so we're with Jay Papazan, and Jay, thanks for dropping by. Um, there's so many things we could talk about, right? Because you have such a, uh, really a variety of things that you've done within the company. What do you love most about Keller Williams? Well, um, the biggest gift to me, I think I can be clear about, is whenever my wife Wendy and I think we're thinking big, Gary Keller will challenge us to think bigger. Yeah. About, and, and there are days where it's just exhausting. It's like, come on, right? What, but he's, he always thinks bigger for us than sometimes we're willing to think for ourselves. And what's that's kind of the addiction. What's the exhausting part of that? Because sometimes you want to mail it in. Okay. Okay. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. like there was a part of me is like we're coming into this family reunion. We haven't been able to meet in person in two years. Yeah. And I'm like, they're going to be so happy just to be there. Let's do what we always do. But like he's just like raise the bar, raise the bar, raise yeah. the bar. And it's great because that growth muscle you got to keep it strong to yeah. be around him. You've been with Gary, I think, for what, 21 years? Yeah, my uh, my KW career is drinking age as of okay. the end of last year. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you think that's the biggest thing that's changed in you when the time you started to now is having to having to show up with that bigger thinking and then and then driving bigger action? If you think back to like 21 years ago to now, is that what that's, you'd say? That is the, the biggest gift. Okay. And I, I'll just say, um, no matter how big you're thinking, you can think bigger. And what's cool about it is the journey of growth. I mean, y'all been through this with Livian. Absolutely. I've watched yeah. Adam. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes growing pains are tough yeah. Yeah. and painful, but you get more resilient. And so like when you try big things, like creating something like Livian, you fail big too. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think that you just get stronger in ways that you didn't know you would get stronger. It, what in you makes you show up consistently like that? When I think about, because, you know, with Livian, what we're looking for is leaders who have that resiliency and that grit and that determination to think bigger. What do you think it is in you that, that makes you show up that way consistently? I think that people will show up as gritty when they are pursuing their mission in life. Okay. And mine is family impact and abundance. Yeah. And I interpret them, maybe not the way someone would do those words, but yeah. like, Impact is way up there. Gary always honors the fact that I want to live my values with my family. He's never asked me to violate that. So yeah. he's just that guy. And I get to have a big impact. So I will work really hard to make my values come alive and it goes all the way back. I think if you find out what drives people and if what drives them is where you're headed, guess what? They're going to show up and be willing to work longer hours or do the hard stuff because ultimately that's where their heart's going to take them whether they want to or not so i just think mission values those are the things that get people up and keep them going speaking of big impact and and delivering on tons of value uh personally and selfishly i want to thank you the couple's goal planning retreat that you and wendy ha um, have been really sharing with others about has had a really big impact on me and our relationship as well and i think that's one of the things that we don't focus on uh, enough as a career is 
how do you work with your spouse and still maintain civility at home? What's that look like for the two of you? Well, one, thank you for that. The, the, Wendy and I have been doing the goal setting retreat now for 15 years, yeah. and we've been hosting it with other folks for about five. And I just looked up and you see all these crazy entrepreneurs, yeah. and we're a weird family of two, where my wife has businesses and runs them, and I do too. And when you're moving fast and doing big things, sometimes we take for granted that our family understands why we're going where we're going and where we're going. And I used to describe it kind of like, you know where you're going, you downshift the convertible, you start accelerating into the turns and it's exciting, like you're growing this business, but your family is blindfolded yeah. in the back seat. Yeah. They've been kidnapped and taken for the ride. So um, I think that that's just so important is to give people an opportunity to get on the same page, just like we were talking yeah. about. Where are we going? Why is it important? What are the values we share that we're both pursuing? And, it's funny, the fighting and the antagonism goes away when people understand why we're going where we're going. You know, Not that it, we fought all the time, yeah, but you know, yeah, you get irritated. It's like, why are you doing that? Yeah, I went back and looked at, we did a couple of goal planning retreat, I think the 2019 maybe, and one of the questions was, who are the five people that you want to surround yourself with? And, and we went and looked at that, um, what Lauren did, what I did, and I think we had built a relationship or connection with eight of those 10 between the two of us. Oh, wow. And uh, and so it was good for you. Yeah, it was, it's a testament to getting clear, I think, on what each person wants and then defining that, um, taking action on it. So it, I think it's right, one can of the I most, highlight what you just said. Yeah, it's like so many people haven't taken the time to get clear on what they want. Yeah. And when you know what you're saying yes to, I think it's really easy to actually say no to stuff that doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. But when we don't take the time, we're just pursuing whatever looks good in front of us. The, the best five relationships that immediately present themselves, whereas in a very short period of time, yeah. you built relationships with eight out of 10 of the people that you put on your wish list by being purposeful. Absolutely, but it, it's not just being purposeful, but it's also just showing up to give, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, those relationships show up because you show up as the person in integrity to be in those relationships, right? I and, love that. Um, so Nothing actually matters more than who you hang out with. Yeah. Tell I me mean, more about that. Well, my getting to spend time with Gary for 20, 20 of the 21 years yeah. I was working closely with him has forced more growth on me, which has created more opportunity for growth conversations with my spouse and my kids and my friends. It's just the people, Whatever you hang out with is normal. There's like a research we did. If one of your close friends, even if you mostly see them on social media, media is obese, you're like more than 50% more likely to become obese yourself. Wow. Because wow. that's just normal. Yeah. And they talk about someone who is in a car wreck and becomes a quadriplegic. Yeah. They're like, surely they can't be happy. Within like two years, their happiness yeah. level is the same as it was before because we adapt to whatever we call normal, bad or good. Yeah. So you might as well go all in with really great, amazing people because they're just going to naturally make you rise up. Absolutely. And, and that's really the kind of the mission of Libyan, right? Which is how do you level up the people you surround yourself with? How much of a need do you see for that in our industry about really, especially given the time of coming out of this pandemic, about people leveling up like leadership platforms? Well, first, if that, I did not realize that was a part of y'all's mission. One, yeah. I think that's awesome. And I will just say, what happens when you create a small community of great high performers yeah. is that other high performers recognize it. And 
it's not that they're going to run to join. Yeah, I just think that if it was a lead, your conversion rates go up through the roof because yeah. they're like they look up. It's like Stacy talking about walking around the KW office. She's like, wait, I feel like I'm at home all of a sudden because those are the people that shared her values and what she wanted to do. Yeah. It does create a kind of snowball effect, a very positive one, because yeah. the more of those people you attract, the more great people want to be in that club because it's just a cool place to be. Yeah, well, it's also fine that leadership is lonely. And I know that's cliche, but you know, Wendy grew a team and has and, you know, obviously been highly successful at that, but it hasn't been without its struggles, right? And, well, Adam knows this better than just about anybody. Yeah. Like for him to expand, he actually actually had to leave the state. Yeah. He had to cross yeah. borders like right off the bat. And most of the people, when you talk about those agents, and I'm just going to draw an arbitrary line. I think of someone who would be a partner for Livian or any of the great yeah. expansion teams. They're in that 20 to 30 million range. Yeah. And maybe they've hit some ceiling or they're realizing I want parts of the job, but not the others. And I need more support. There's not many of them in the industry. No. We're spoiled. Like I can look in the Southwest Market Center and I think there were like 19 agents that did over a million in GCI. Wow. And I know that's not normal. Yeah. It just is this place where you had that gravity and more people started joining it. But in most people, they have to cross the state line to talk to a friend that is on that same journey. Yeah. And think, so there is that thing about like I want to I want to have a tribe yeah. of people, a mastermind of people who know what I'm dealing with and can give me advice that I value. Yeah, it's knowing that shared struggle. What are some of those struggles that have shown up when you think about building that real estate team business that that you've experienced? You know what? You'd have to ask my wife. Okay, you don't. You, my job. Okay. I get to be a coach by invitation only. Okay. My first job is okay. to be a spouse. Yeah. Um, but uh, have you made that I, mistake? Before she of, makes me smarter. Okay. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I remember when she made the choice, our kids were going into school. She had been in PR and marketing. Yeah. And she had been helping manage, at that time, taking over all of our rental properties. And I said, you're really good at this. And I'm here writing books about high-level real estate. Yeah. It's all intellectual. I was like, you know, you might think about getting your license. It would be a gift to me, and it has been. Because yeah. I've gotten to be a spectator and I mean, come on, our pillow talk is business and real estate. Like we both <laughs> yep. love what we do. Yeah. So we talk about it and we learn together. Um, when you think about uh, like resources for people to learn, some, obviously the books that, that you and Gary have written, how, how much of a transition was there from when you started in, I'm guessing you never thought you'd be writing real estate books, right? I didn't expect to, no. How, how does that transpire then to make such a change? It, it, was there a con It's all about a person. Gary Keller found out that I had a history of working on and editing best-selling books, two of which were among his favorites. And he invited me and I, had, I didn't know it, but it was writing The Millionaire Real Estate Agent we did in less than 100 days. That was okay. my job interview. Okay. And I, wasn't, I, don't, I was listed as a co-author, but I was the writer on that job. My job was to capture what he and Dave were doing and regurgitate it and then, then we edited each other. Would you say that the most impactful book that you've been a part of, though, is the, the, the Millionaire Real Estate Investor? That has had the most impactful book that we've written has been The One Thing. Okay. But that's already crossed 2.5 million copies and yeah. 40 languages. I guess as far as impact for your personal life or for and, you. And, and for me, too. Okay. But second to that is The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Okay. Because it really changed the way Wendy and I thought about, looked at, tracked progress yeah. towards our wealth. I mean, I wanted a job with a high salary. Yeah. Now I know that that's not how wealth is built. So 
that's one and two, and obviously we made a big impact with the millionaire real estate agent, but that might have been more helpful to my wife than me. Yeah. Well, well, you know, wealth building is a big part of our company as well. It's, it's oh, cool. educating, um, you know, agents and, and team owners on wealth building. And, and so I love hearing about your wealth journey. If you could give someone wealth building advice in, in a short period of time, what would that be? I think first and foremost, and a lot of people are afraid to do it, just figure out what your net worth is. Get out a loan application, basically. List all of your assets and then list all of your debts, assets, liabilities. Add the two together. This one's always negative, liabilities, yeah, yeah, right? So a positive, yeah. hopefully, plus a negative, and hopefully the, what's left over is a positive sum. For Wendy and I, the first time we did it, our net worth was about $2,700. Okay. Most of that yeah. in a Toyota Tercel that was soon to be going from four to three cylinders. So. But, okay. but it was positive. Yeah. So I had a 401k and so did she, and um, she had some school debt, I didn't. But we had basically at that point in our life both worked 10 years together, yeah. five years each in professional, and our net worth, there wasn't a lot to show for yeah. it. But that was the different scorecard for us. So that to me is kind of the gateway. And and most people actually, just knowing what it is, they, you can't make a plan for where you're going if you don't know where you're starting from. Yeah. If I don't know if I'm negative or positive, I cannot plan. So it's just perspective. I would say, go get perspective, where are you? And then you can ask, where do I want to be by when? Yeah. Now we can have a plan. Were you ashamed of the $2,700 network? Oh, I didn't know enough to know if it was good or bad. Okay. We were like idiots. I was like, can we count? Like we just bought furniture at Target. Yeah. So I still had the receipts. Like, can I count this on our balance sheet? Yeah. And I'm like, no. Because <laughs> uh, I think that when most people avoid seeing that number because of the internal guilt or shame about at times either it's low or it's negative. It's just a number. Okay. It's just a scorecard. But if you start keeping the right score, it starts to change habits. It's yeah. very hard. Like I think about in our culture, we have a 411. I don't know if y'all do it. Yeah. But someone shows up, what was your goal? How did you do? Yeah. How do you feel about it? What will you do differently? Just a series of questions you ask every time. 11 girl could ask them on a script. Yeah. But if someone always knows you're asking the same question, what do they tend to do between meetings? Be prepared and change their behavior They, they do something to yeah. make the conversation better or they get out. Yeah. And if you have that meeting with yourself, how are we doing? How do we feel about it? What yeah. should we do differently? Just that we did it monthly for years you start to do things differently. And I've seen it, just people tracking without making a single investment, their net worth starts moving in the right direction. And it's amazing what a little progress does for people. Absolutely. As we, as we wrap up, last question, what do you see the industry looking like or, or, or the direction of things? If you think about like, what, what are those trends or what, what would the future look like of the industry on a... On I a, got asked this question in 2015. Yeah. And I was way wrong. Okay. I said that by 2025, we'd have half as many agents in the industry. Okay. I just felt, I saw how competitive it was getting. Yeah. And now we have almost 1.6 million. And I was predicting we'd end up almost going back to the year 2000, around 700,000 agents. Still could happen. What I see is the industry is getting more competitive. To play at the highest level, to be above average, you have to be a better business person. Yeah. And that means you need to have better coaches, you need to have a better tribe, you need to have your A game. And those people who show up, they're gonna get massive market share. 
just massive. I think the opportunity's never been bigger. We sold, there was more commission income generated last year than yeah. any time in foreign history. So the opportunity's there and it's disproportionately gonna go to those small, relatively small group of people that are doing the right things. So I would just tell people, that's where we're headed. Be in that minority that do the right things and the majority of the opportunity will come to you. Thanks, Jay, I appreciate all your time today. Thanks, Thanks. awesome.